0: Howdy! This episode contains a little bit of flowery language, so if you've got the kiddos around, maybe uh, skip this one and go back to one that I don't say a bad word in. Also, spoilers ahead for The Name of the Wind and The Wise Man's Fear, and probably The Slow Regard of Silent Things. The world is changing. Who now has the strength to stand against the armies of Omethi Manor and the Troop Caravan, to stand against the might of RJ and Jerdanek and the union of the two podcasts. Together, my lord Jerdanek, we shall rule this Temerant. (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> to entirely the right sort of podcast i'm rj which stands for um ruminating joyfully and today i am potting with a dedicated group of king Killer fans who have taken on the wise foolish ambitious task of reading the main books page by page and giving us delicious delicious content every day for more than two years at this point i'm talking of course about Jeremy, Jordana, and Nick of Page of the Wind. Welcome, everybody.
1: Well, oh, thank you, RJ. Great to be here. I'm yeah. Nick.
0: I'm Jordana. I'm Jeremy. And, uh, uh,
2: we're really happy to be here.
0: Oh, my gosh. What a, what a delight it is here to, to do a little um, cross-border friendship, to reach out a hand to Canada and shake it and say, hello.
1: How's oh, thank- the maple syrup? It, it's, it's hard to get right now because the supply lines are, are not in great shape. Although in a very real way, there are no borders anymore. We all exist in a tiny box on a computer screen. Mm-hmm.
2: We are nowhere yes. and everywhere.
3: The borders are the lines between our boxes. <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: but they man, are.
2: The only borders are the ones that exist in your mind, man.
0: The, only, the, the borders between... Um, between mortal and the fae maybe have been crossed over.
2: Mm-hmm. There was
0: no moon last night, so maybe that's maybe that's why you guys chose to
2: do this. It's possible. Maybe someone's you're, been messing with some waystones.
0: You're podding from the fae realm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, when Denna can't be found it's cuz she's social distancing.
3: Really <laughs> <laughs> Would
1: you
2: say Klo- Sorry, go ahead. Oh, Denna and Cloth having like a socially distanced date on the bridge. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> spit for luck um so i uh, might put you guys on the spot a tiny bit because i reached out with a list of characters i hadn't done yet and you guys wanted to talk about Debbie slash davy all pronunciations are valid um can i ask why you chose to talk about her as opposed to you know any of the other women i haven't covered yet
1: Joanne, would you like to take this?
3: <laughs> we fight about Debbie a lot. <laughs> also, Debbie's, like, a really cool character, but we we also recently had a fight about Debbie because we all have very strong feelings, apparently.
2: I, mm-hmm. I think it would be fair to say that we all find Debbie a really interesting character, but we don't agree about, like, what her deal is exactly. What is the nature of Debbie?
1: Sure. And I think that it's quite clear. Like, I think that the source of our conflict, and I'm sure we'll dredge it up in this episode, is that I think it's actually quite clear in the text that my reading is supported. And Jeremy, of course, who refuses to read the text uh, with any closeness at all, uh, is a fool.
3: And I, of course, as usual, am on the fence, but cannot agree with either of them. So it's complicated. (laughs) Complicated, as Tempe would say.
0: I was... I was thinking, um, so leaving aside Falurian, Vashet, and Hespa, I was wondering if if Kvothe gets the most scenes with Debbie of all the women, or maybe it's Ari? I think it's Ari.
1: I, yeah, I did some frantic googling and I couldn't find anything to back it up, but my impression is that, and here's the thing, in the in Wise man's fear, Auri's not in it that much. Like he leaves pretty early on. There's only a few scenes with Auri. I, my impression is that he's not with Devi a ton. There's only four or five individual scenes, but those scenes have a lot of weight to them. Mm -hmm. Um, I can't say that I have done like a quantitative analysis of like the page count of each
2: character, but- Regardless irregardless of that,
1: Oof. um Jeremy, you, you were about to say regardless, and then you corrected yourself wrongly.
2: Yeah, because I wanted to troll you, Nick. Oh, um, it worked, it worked so well. <laughs> 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 but I like the in my brain, like the the three most important women in his life are like Dena, Auri, and Debbie in that order.
3: I agree. I mean
0: I vaguely well, disagree, beg- like, so, yeah.
2: but that's fine. N- tell us
1: more, Jordana.
3: Well, I just think Auri should be first, but that's just because Auri is first in my heart.
1: Mm. This is another argument wherein I think that Auri is the actual soulmate character, but that's extremely off of the scope of today's podcast episode.
0: Well, it's it's all in the scope. I mean, I, I play it fast and loose pretty much every week. So what I, now what I don't play fast and loose with is starting every podcast with seven things we know about the character. So we can argue all we want later, but hey, let's at least get the good stuff in off the top. So um, let's start with number one, which is to Lord Jeremy.
2: All right. So the first thing we know about Debbie is that Devi is a talented arcanist. She beat cloth like a redheaded stepchild and has an alar like an ocean in a storm. She takes blood as collateral from some people in her business as a, a gaylet.
3: The second thing is, Debbie deals in favors, not necessarily money, and is seen to have a lot of books at her home.
1: The third thing we know about her is that she'd do anything to get access to the archives. She offers quote, 40 talents and a roll in the hay for his information about how to get inside.
0: <laughs> Number four, Devi was expelled from the university some time ago for an as yet unknown reason, though she was accused of malfeasance. Will backs this up, I believe, in the second book. And Devy theorizes the university was afraid of a female student who could match the masters in sympathy.
2: Devi studied alchemy and sympathy at the university and reached the rank of Ralar.
3: And the sixth thing is Devi also hates Ambrose and gave the reason that he beats his whores.
1: And last but not least, Devi lives in Imra above a butcher shop and creates perfumes of some kind uh, or some kind of scented oils to cover up the smell of rancid fat. A clear metaphor for her character, Jeremy. Ooh. Metaphors are for cowards.
3: The fighting starts already.
0: You wow, we mentioned. got
1: right into it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think um, part of you know, I think some people, particularly on the cesspool or maybe good pool that we call reddit i think a lot of folks um like to think everyone is either a chandrian or an amir and they point to the rancid fat at the butcher shop as evidence davy might be Usnea, which i think is a bit of a reach but at this point i'm willing to believe anything for the space of three minutes
1: now, I remember Usnea's sign, of course, but just in case any of our listeners uh, don't remember, mm. could you just uh, reiterate what the sign is?
0: Yes, the, the one sign we get from Usnea uh, based on the 8M song is Usnea lives in nothing but decay. Which, mm, yeah, I would say, yeah. doesn't not quite work for me.
2: Uh, like, if things are decaying in your butcher shop,
0: yeah, that no one good. should be
2: shopping there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, but there's also, I mean, if you think of decay as, you know, as death, well, of course it would be in a butcher shop. I think it's more of, um, I'm not really sure. It might be more of the stone crumbling away and wheels rotting, that kind of thing would be more for Usnea. But again, it's been yeah, nine like, years at this point. Decay
2: implies to me, like, Nine years since the Wise Men's Fear came out?
0: Yeah, it was published Holy in crap. 2011, I think.
2: Oh my God, I'm old. Yeah. I mean, all we the are. signs
1: are so flexible that you could kind of a- apply anything to them. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know, maybe it's the decay of the city. It's the moral decay.
2: <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> yeah, people started wearing skirts with, the, with, like, the hems too high above the ankle. That's ah. the real sign.
1: <laughs> Master hem. It's all coming together.
0: <laughs>
3: if we want to pull the Nick looks things up because we need to know stuff and we can't him and haw about whatnot, the actual definition of decay is rock mm. or composed through the action of bacteria and fungi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I would say if anything is rotting or decomposing from the action of bacteria or fungi in a butcher shop, I don't want it. I <laughs> do not either. I I guess if if we're going to play
0: Secret Chandrian, I, I mean, and this is already getting off Davey, but I guess, I mean, that might be MOLA if we're trying to tie everyone to the Chandrian, because people are sick in the Medica, but that's neither here nor there. So has the trio agreed that um, Davy is probably not <laughs> that secret Chandrian?
1: We haven't had that conversation yet. I'm inclined to think that Devi Davy is not a Chandrian or an uh, Amir by the simple fact that she's a hustler, like much mm-hmm. like Quoth and Denna, she's still kind of trying to make her way. And my impression is that the Chandrian and the Amir figures are in positions where they can exert influence. Uh, And I mean, obviously, Debbie has influence, but it's it's sort of in...
2: It's a minor kind of influence. Yeah,
1: it's like a scrappy underdog kind of influence. I I think someone like Lauren is a much better candidate for an Amir or a Chandrian.
3: Absolutely. I second this motion.
1: I don't think anyone is a Chandrian, except for the people who are around the
2: fireplace in that one scene. So I definitely don't think she's a Chandrian. You're no fun. That's Chandrian talk, Jeremy. (laughs) That is what a Chandrian would say, to be fair. Um, now you, you have just raised something that I've never actually considered and it might be worth talking about um, on our own show but so many of the like the central characters in this book and the characters that Koth has a special relationship with are characters who can't get by in the regular uh, like they, they're sort of outsiders or on the margins of their society in some way and they're sort of living by their wits or living in a in an unconventional way. Like, you know, Denna basically seems to make her way in the world uh, as a sugar baby. Like, you know, mm. finding men who will sort of pay her way so, until she can become independent on her own. Uh, and Debbie got kicked out of the university and became a loan shark uh, to get what she wants. And Auri, you know, it, it sort of lives as like a half wild, uh, like homeless vagabond uh, under the university. And these are all the people who Quoth seems to have like a special kind of connection to, which uh, is not something that I had ever really put together before.
3: Well, they all sort of have Quoth like like if you took Quoth apart into pieces, they each sort of have a piece of his like character in a way, as well as having their own, but they reflect him in different ways.
2: Absolutely, and I think Debbie. I of,
3: yeah, I agree with
2: that. of Of those three women, Debbie feels to me like the most like a real person because Mm -hmm. she has a very like concrete want and uh and like she like auri is the sort of ethereal like fey creature and denna is this almost like idealized like you know manic dream girl yeah exactly um whereas debbie you know, it feels like a little bit more of like a, a real kind of well-rounded character. And I think that's part of why uh, we, we disagree about how to read her because she, like, she's a character who could belong in a lot of kinds of stories because she like has a clear goal and Quoth and her goals and their, their respective like moral frameworks uh, come at odds. And so we're rooting for both these characters. We like both these characters and we want things to work out between them. But because the things they want are in conflict, uh, that creates conflict between them that maybe can't be resolved. Hmm. And that creates like an interesting kind of relationship.
0: I think it does too. And I think, you know, when we're talking about conflict, you know, again, uh, thinking about the future and thinking about what might happen I mean, Dana or Davy and Cloth have already come into conflict once, um, and you know, there's there's the question of who's going to betray him because he says in the beginning, you know, I loved, lost, what was it? Loved, lost, trusted, traveled, trooped, and was betrayed. Something like no, I got that backwards. But um, I think that a very key conflict could be. Um, Davy figuring out where he is, or you know, that Cloth has a friend under the university and trying to use that information to get in. I mean, I think that that could be potentially a very big con- confrontation in indoors.
1: I agree. I think that Debbie and Quoth genuinely do like each other, but I do think that Debbie's desire to get into the archives trumps her affection for Quoth, and that she would, if that's what it took, betray him and, and let her die. I think Ari so die. too.
0: I mean, we see that, I mean, Quoth gets it out of her. Money is really not what she's in this business for, but I wonder if most of the favors she's trying to get are access to the archives, Which, which to me begs the question of, well, I mean, other than knowledge, what's in there what's she trying to get i mean is she just trying to get information and get access to something she thinks she should have or well, is what's, there something what's the else? main
1: thing in the archives that is a, a, something that is locked to everybody that is a, a question of uh, much debate what's the thing in there Four that we all want to know Four-plate Four four-plate door. Four mm-hmm. door right mm-hmm. and if anybody's in a position to know or have a pretty good idea what's in the four plate door if anybody accessed forbidden knowledge in the university and was turfed out for it if anybody is ambitious and powerful enough to bend all of their being into achieving Mm. this goal it's it's debbie that scene that you talked about is actually the the scene that we started the fight uh because i don't know if you remember exactly how it goes it it ends with her offering 40 talents and uh right in the sack, but it starts with her pretending to quote that she's raised her rates Uh, and they Mm -hmm. have a bit of a banter. And I think that she got too eager. I think that getting into the archives is her end goal. And when she saw, Kvothe confirms in that scene that he has a way in and she gets too excited and she basically overplays her hand. Yeah, and offers all of this stuff. If she had kept her cards close to her chest, she was about to get Quoth to overinvest in a loan, uh, but that was her one slip-up. Was basically admitting that she wanted more than anything to get in there. I think the
2: conflict that we had is that Nick thinks that this is all premeditated on Debbie's part—that she never raised her rent, her rates, and she just told Quoth that as part of a scheme to pressure him. Of course she did. Of course
1: she did, Jeremy.
2: How whereas, can you read it any other way? I think that it's a cr- it's an offer of opportunity that she did not go into that meeting planning to try and uh, con Cloth into getting her access, but it's an idea that it occurs to her in the moment. No, you're totally However, wrong.
1: No, she's she's absolutely premeditated it.
2: Well, whether or not she is, can we put that aside for two seconds because no. that scene ends when Quoth says, no, I won't give you the, I won't show you how to get into the archives for any amount of money because it's not just me who would be at risk. There's this other person and I don't know how they would feel about me giving you this access. And he's talking about Auri. So it would make sense to me that armed with that information, Debbie would make her own investigations and like find Auri and threaten her directly uh, if Quoth doesn 't help her, right, and that would be a kind of betrayal
0: well, and we um and Mola knows about Ari because she checked on her, you know, and we know Mola and Davy are close, so I think it's I think it's very possible that you know if they 're meeting up for drinks or for you know or for whatever, I might kind of ship them because Debbie is canonically at least uh aware of non-heterosexuality, um, I think that it would be a short leap for Mola to let slip to Davy that Cloth has a friend, you know, who lives under the university and, you know, and that could be it, so.
1: I'll do I think- you one better, I wouldn't put it past Devi to uh, intentionally pump Mola for information because she has the hint mm. that that uh, Auri is there. I, I don't think Mola would, give it up. But I do think that Debbie might be like, Oh, yeah, quote told me about her. I know about her. Can you guys introduce me like we're we are, mm-hmm. you know." Sorry.
0: Now Davey and Mola are they a couple let's discuss No, I'm just kidding. But
3: am I so that is that is a very cracked pot considering how little we have to to work on like I would love it. But I don't also, we don't really media. have a lot to prove that.
0: <laughs> well, this is, this comes from me uh, craving queer content and all things, but, but mostly with women. So there's, Davy makes the one comment, I think Cloth says something to her, like it's, it's a surprise that, you know, men can keep their feet around you. And Davy says, some, you know, some women have a hard time as well. RJ, Devi, have you read
1: the, uh, the um, Battle Royale short story by Patrick Rothfuss where Devi battles Tom Bombadil?
0: Oh my, I, I've read part of it, but I'm, I, I am not as entrenched in Tolkien as I am in Rothfuss, so I felt that it would be wasted on me, but, but are you saying it would not be it wasted on me? It really has more me? to do with Debbie than it has to do with Tolkien.
1: Yes, <laughs> well, and, <laughs> and it has more to do with Goldberry than it does with Tom Bombadil. Let's just say this, if you crave queer content, you could do worse than reading that story. It's worth your time. It's worth your time. And we well, did a got, whole I Patreon go. episode about it on our show uh, like a year ago or so.
0: Okay. I I, but, I gotta go, guys. It's been great.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You'll be in your boat. Um, uh, yeah. I,
0: I, yeah. I, I'll be offline for a little while. Um, but just... Um, I hope I didn't cut anyone off, but just talking about Davy plot lines. Yes, she does. So after in in wise man's fear which which you guys are are kind of creeping up on um some of my favorite favorite scenes in wise man's fear but after Quoth um accuses davy of taking his blood and making the moment they have that that huge fight um uh and then you know they he starts creating that plan after he makes his graham To break into Ambrose's rooms, and Mola is the one who goes and finds Davy and Imray and brings her to Cloth, so that they can make up. So they do. I mean that again, looping back to the (laughs) Mola and Davy might be dating crack pottery. I mean that to me indicates that Mola either knew where Davy was or found her within like a 24-hour period, and you know was able to convince her to come back and make good with both now of course she gives her main reason for um going along with the heist that he hates she hates ambrose because he beats his whores but you know mola was able to get through to her somehow um
1: as much as i'd like there to be more queer rep in this story i think it's more likely that as mola and debbie were compatriots when they were students together They've kind of kept in touch there's probably a bit of a whisper network, and they you know we know there aren't many women students in the university, so they probably do still kind of keep tabs on each other uh, so,
2: like she's a bin- she's a business person she yeah. wants people
1: to be able to find her
2: business they're like a
3: sorority in a way there's a bit of a rarity in mola and debbie's like interactions with one another in that like we see lots of like friendships between men and friendships between men and women, but we don't see a lot of friendships between women and other women, especially the important characters in the book.
1: Well, this is one of the glaring weaknesses of this series is that there aren't many, if any, female-female relationships that we get to see simply by virtue of the fact that Quoth is the point of view character. Uh, There's a scene in Wise Man's Fear that is... Uh, referred to in the fandom as the Bechtel scene, which mm-hmm. it's not even truly a, a Bechtel-worthy scene because both the women don't have names in the in the scene. But uh, and even it happens because Quoth has to um, eavesdrop on it. So like, I agree with you, Jordana, that it's it's something we don't see a lot of. It's nice to hear that it exists, and I wish we got to see more of it. Especially like Mola and Devi are such interesting characters that we don't get a lot of their inner lives. Ooh. We talk a lot on our show about how much we'd like to see a a, uh, a book from Denna's perspective, sort of like mm-hmm. the other side of the story.
3: But a book from Debbie's perspective would be pretty sweet too.
1: I think so. Yeah, as I'd... long as it's not just her sitting behind her desk.
3: I want to know how she got kicked out of the university. I want that story. Me
0: too. I would love to know who, I mean, who all her clients are because they're the most desperate, desperate people.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that, that's more like a like Debbie as like, private detective slash like fixer for these people who have like the worst problems and that to come to her for money. That's well, we not- have,
1: we have some clues. I agree, Jeremy. That's a really interesting story. We have some clues. Like where does she get her books? I think it's likely that she targets students. I think she mm-hmm. like, especially I'm sort of working backwards with the assumption that what she wants is the archives, but I bet you she intentionally goes after desperate students and gets, you know, books from them, gets favors from them, gets them to, Bring her the schemas for plumbob alchemy and whatnot.
3: That also backs up uh, the idea that Quoth is not the only person who is struggling to like make things work. As far as oh, like staying no. at the university and being able to pay for food and stuff. Like he's clearly not the only guy. If Debbie's got other customers, he's not the only one in need.
2: Yeah, but Quoth doesn't have collateral, right? Like other people at the university might run into financial difficulty. Like, if Sim lost, like, a hundred uh, talents gambling, he would have collateral to borrow money from Debbie with. That he wouldn't have to resort to his blood.
3: But, sure, but would he have to resort to Debbie at all? Would he not go to a money lender? Would a money lender not take someone like Sim on?
2: Yeah, maybe.
3: So, like, De- my point is, whoever's coming to Debbie can't go to the money lenders. So they've got to be closer to Quoth's situation than I think Quoth mm-hmm. is admit or realize in his
0: memory. Yeah. Right.
1: Debbie's whole business model is to get them on the hook to the point where they can't provide collateral so they have to provide favors. She doesn't want people who have collateral. Uh,
0: well, we see that um, Jeffrey, that guy who, and you guys are probably coming up on his scenes too, so that guy that is hanging out with um, Denna at the Gray Man, I think, and Wise man's Sphere who um, is, you know, not to be too um mean but kind of stupid um he... he's not
1: the sharpest sword in the adam wall of swords
0: yeah and he's, he's relatively naive. naive he is relatively naive but i believe he um sells some stuff to davy because i think he gets in bad with all the other money lenders and she makes some comment about a pretty young boy selling her something so i think I think you guys are right on the money with the fact that well and, and, and Davey also I think we read in the first book that she charges like twice what any of the guild money lenders would because she knows. Yeah. Very. Um, I've been playing a lot of Red Dead very Leopold Straussian in her uh, in her methods. Do you guys play Red Dead?
1: I played I, the first I, one. Uh, it, it kind of went in one ear or the other.
0: Yeah. And the second one, for any listeners who may be confused, there's a, um, one of the characters in, in the gang lends money out to desperate people and then sends the main character, you know, out to retrieve it from them. And there's, you know, all sorts of shenanigans and hijinks. But um, that's who I think of because, yeah, he's loaning money to desperate folk at bad rates. And then, you know, when it comes due, you better pay up or you're going to get a hole in the head.
2: The uh, uh the business of the loan shark may be maybe the second oldest profession.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> um so what other let's let's chat about some other little little Davy bits and bobbles here. I mean most of the scenes she has with Cloth are are money lending scenes. Um I do appreciate like we've said in the second book, that she gets a more a bit more character with um, helping out with the heist, and also at the very very end, she is one of seven people Quoth takes out for a night of drinking um, in the chapter Folly, where he's now become rich, um, and you know sevens are very important in this book. So the the seven people he goes out with in that chapter are Will, Sim, Fella, Mola, Dioc, Threp and Davy. Um, but other than that, really, most of their scenes are money lending, though we do get some evidence that, um, you know, Quoth borrows a book or two from her. They like to chit chat. They, they like to banter back and forth. So I, I really like her. I think she's a nice character. I wouldn't say she's my favorite, but, you know, I vacillate on who my favorite is.
1: She's up there for me. She's definitely, uh... like,
0: one of my top two.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Oh yeah, uh, just a point of order. Th- those seven people are the candidates for betrayal, in my opinion. Those mm. are the ones who, who are on the hook for the big betrayal. And really? Are...
3: You put Sim oh. on the hook for the betrayal.
1: Well, uh, think... how much would it hurt you if it happened?
3: Oh my God! So much. Stop it. There you no, go. It That's why. So much. much.
1: And remember that all the things Quoth says in the intro are kind of subverted the way he describes them and the way they actually played out are not really what you expect. So Mm -hmm. Jeremy kind of touched on this earlier that the betrayal is probably one of like circumstances and less explicitly like a malicious action Mm -hmm. or one of interpretation. Like from the perspective
2: of storytelling, a character betraying another character only matters if it would hurt the character being betrayed. And the more it hurts, the more it matters. And right. the more you trust somebody and think they would never ever betray you, the more hurtful it, would, it will be when they do it. So from that point of view, like Denna or Simon are great candidates because they're like the people Quote cares most about. Mm-hmm.
0: And that chapter is called Folly, which mm-hmm. has, has um, a lot Someone of prophetic...
2: Yes. A rare chapter title that might have significance beyond the literal. Oh, blame yeah. me, Jeremy. That's a lot.
1: So I, I've been oh, nursing boy. a little crackpot theory that I wanted to, to raise here. Please uh, pour it podcast. out.
0: My, my well, bowl is ready.
1: It's pretty simple. Uh, and it's that uh, Devi is Quoth's superior. Uh, she is a rare specimen who is actually better than Quoth at the things that Quoth is good at. And has only Hmm. kind of failed to completely self-actualize and achieve all her goals by virtue of being a woman in a man's environment.
0: Hmm. Please continue to tell me more. I love that.
1: Well, clearly she's brilliant. Clearly she's a planner. Clearly she is, you know, a self-starter. She's come from probably no means. Like she's, we don't know much about her background, but she's living in essentially a, Tenement building that she has made quite nice. She's mm-hmm. a better sympathist than Quoth is, and we know how good a sympathist Quoth is. We are told over and over and over, and yes. uh, this is why I'm inclined to think that she's like a Machiavellian planner because, much like Quoth, who is the most perfect, successful boy all the time, she, except for her maybe her tragic flaw of being too eager about trying to achieve power and her goals. Um, she she wins most of the time. She ends up on top.
0: I mean, she certainly could teach him a lot. I mean, she she knows a lot, and we watch her accumulate more and more books. We know that she um, can do alchemy, even if even if Sim says that the plumb bob, you know, was a bit shoddy. I mean that that's a good point. We know. I mean, we know that she is she is strong. And then you think about. Um, you know, she probably could teach him a lot about sympathy because her alar is like the ocean and the storm, one of the things all wise men fear. Mm-hmm. And his alar, as, as we are reminded countless times, is like a, bre- a blade of Ramson steel, which sounds good until you remember that a tinker tells him Ramson is, you know, the best knife you can have. The sharpest knife you'll have until it breaks.
1: That's right. Until it breaks. I think there's a really incisive feminist reading in Debbie's story and I'm probably not the best person to, to talk about it. But uh, what it says to me is that as, as far as quoth as hard as he's worked and as far as he's come, he still has male privilege in this world. And Debbie, Mm -hmm. who is easily as talented or better than him, was blocked because of her inability to, to make it past that that hurdle that Kvothe doesn't have. This is like an illustration of, of how privilege it is. It doesn't devalue or negate Kvothe's successes, but it's something that he didn't have to struggle against, whereas Devi did, and ultimately like got turfed out.
2: Mm-hmm. And I
3: feel like that's I think, a good read, but it might not have been intentional.
2: I think it was. <laughs> I think Rothfuss is the kind of person who would create a sexist institution in the university points out like have characters point out that it is sexist um which like male and female characters both do and then have a character who is like the direct victim of that kind of institutional sexism and like i bet that debbie wasn't nearly as much of a piece of work as she is before that happened right like she's probably worked her whole life and like struggled and had to prove herself as like fella uh, has to like make it in a man's world. Mm -hmm. And you know, she's ambitious, she's brilliant, she's hard, like she works hard and then all of that and she still gets kicked out for breaking some rule. Like that would tip me over the edge into being willing to knife somebody or bribe somebody or sleep with somebody to get what Mm -hmm. I want.
1: And what was the rule that was broken, right? like do you think it was as bad as bringing open flame into the archives? Do you think that that no I'm, I'm serious I like, mean, yeah, do you think actually that maybe it was maybe Quoth got a pass where she didn't
2: yeah that that, mm-hmm. that wouldn't surprise me if it was some silly infraction like that
0: or if there's like a some kind of false equivalence because sim or one of them points out that they don't whip women, mm-hmm. so maybe you know instead of something that, you know, might've equated to a whipping, they just decided to expel her because what, you know, what's the other punishment? We see, uh, I think at the end of Name of the Wind, um, you know, the punishment for for malfeasance or or for whatever was whipping and expulsion. For Davy, they just might've straight gone to expulsion because they couldn't whip her.
2: Yeah, like I wonder, this is sort of an example of the ways in which like, sexism and patriarchy hurt men and women just in different ways. Because Mm. if you have a double standard, we're like, well, we can punish men for this crime by whipping them, but we can't whip women because that wouldn't be proper, but we still have to punish them in a way that is bad. So we just have to kick them out. Yeah. You know, nobody Uh, really wins in that scenario. Nope.
0: Nope, except the masters for covering up whatever Debbie did. And I, am, am I correct in saying that we we never really hear exactly what she was kicked out for?
2: No, I think that's one of the big mysteries that we might get an answer to in Doors of Stone. It's like, why exactly did Debbie get kicked out?
1: We hear right. rumors. And I think anytime we hear sort of like a secondhand story in this story, we should clue in because there are kernels of truth in them, but Mm -hmm. sort of over and over again, what is revealed is that the truth is never as um, sensational as the rumors are. So we hear that she was accused of malfeasance, but like we know how easily they throw around that accusation. So who can say what actually happened?
2: Although it also wouldn't surprise me if like she committed some minor infraction, Lauren banned her from the archives and she got so mad that she like, you know, created a moment of him and tried to kill him.
1: Right. Maybe, I think of Debbie being in more control than that. And also we are told that no one's been banned from the archives in like 50 years, right? Mm. Like we have a timeline as from the last banning. Right, so.
0: I, I assume that if she came in conflict with someone it might be Doll because they, they do mention her powers of sympathy, but it could also be him because he's seen teaching you know, Sympathy 101.
1: That's a really um, interesting observation. We're primed to like Elk Shadal a lot. So the realization mm-hmm. that he actually is a huge sexist who had Devi turfed out would be a nice undercutting of what we expect from his character.
0: And, and I don't think, I'm, I'm just trying to, you know, go through the list of, of folks that we know. And I, I do remember, didn't Elodin, uh have a big fight with Elk Sadal when he was at the university?
1: Oh, I don't recall that, but that actually, so we're starting to pull together the threads of like what the big uh, thing was that caused Elodin's, um committing commission mm-hmm. being committed to Haven. Uh, and we've started to suspect that it might have something to do with whatever it was that made Auri the way she was. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if there was like a big to-do involving Auri and Devi and Elodin as students together that caused them hmm. all to like in their own way be broken. I
0: I and I could be wrong, but I seem to recall Eladin saying that he was admitted to the university at 14 and that he got in a big fight with Elsador because he wouldn't teach him the advanced bindings. That's what I I remember at some point. So I wonder, you know, just thinking about and, and I mean, Dahl always tells us about the dangers of sympathy. So I'm ass- I guess I'm assuming, because we, I mean, Debbie could be a namer, but we're, you know, if she if she was kicked out because they feared someone who could match the masters in sympathy, I would think that the person she would come up against would be either Dahl or Hem because they're the only ones we really see ever teaching a sympathy class. And of co- I'm sure they're all sympathists we don't have any um, you know evidence that she came into to contact with Elidan um is it is it uh mandrag who teaches alchemy
1: yeah i think so and we intentionally know nothing about him
0: right but i mean it could have been her because she knows we know she covered um she you know studied alchemy so it could have been him but I'm, I'm not really sure, but certainly, I mean, she's, I do not like reading the chapter where they have that fight because I just think it's, I just, I, I, there are a few chapters I don't like to read and that's one of them. But, um, you know, your friends can, can convince you of certain things. Demon Davy. Hmm. It's, it's kind of like in, uh, well, Quo thought it was Ambrose all along, but his friends tried to tell him no. It's kind of like in the sixth Harry Potter book where Harry knows, spoilers for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince, everyone, where Harry knows that Draco Malfoy is, is, is fucking up to something and his friends were like, no, that's not it. Like, you're just overreacting. And the entire time he was up to something.
2: Mm. But So his the friends, lesson we should learn is yeah. we should never trust our friends.
0: Yes, we should always trust our gut, no matter what.
1: Yes. The lesson we should learn is that if someone accuses something of someone baselessly, we should immediately pillory them.
2: Mm. Yes.
0: Well, the internet has certainly taken that lesson to heart. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, it has. Um, When I was, so when, when we were preparing for this podcast, um, someone wrote down on this little sheet that, that Davey might know Ari from the before times. And we don't, I don't think we have any indication of how long ago it was that Davy was expelled. Oh, no, maybe we do because we'll remember that. It. So it's only been three or four years. And then if we believe Quoth's assessment of Ari, she is maybe a couple years older than him. So I think it's correct. We're told that Elidin
1: has been trying to get Ari's attention on the rooftops for, quote, years.
0: Yeah. So I think it, they very possibly... Could have been together, and that leads to a theory. I'm not sure who put it in there, but but go with it.
1: Oh, that was me. And I actually talked about it already. That there's some connection between Aurieladin and uh, Debbie, and and like the shared trauma that caused them all to oh, be removed.
2: Like, like maybe whatever malfeasance it was that Debbie did is the same thing that drove Auri around the bend.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. and like they were learning from Elladan or something, or like um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. There isn't a, there isn't enough. Detail to really draw a good yarn map on the wall, but uh, I think the timeline matches. I if like
2: I can pick yarn, up this, connected. Can I pick up this thread of yarn? Because please, if that is true, then Devi betraying Kvoth by harming Auri would have a lot of great like resonance. If like if Devi is somehow inadvertently responsible for the thing that made Auri the way she is, and then in order to get the thing she wants most, she has to like. Revisit that bad thing she did and do something worse to that same person, and that also is a betrayal of kavod. That is delicious, spicy character drama <laughs> that I would slurp up with a spoon.
0: Mm. A spoon, not a straw.
2: No, with a spoon, like <laughs> a soup. Yeah, yeah,
1: it's like a thick gruel. Yeah, I like, I like.
2: I like thick story gruel that has lots of chunks of like character pain in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like The chunks. Making a character do something they don't want to do because it's gonna get them the thing they want most. Tremendous, we love it.
0: You're all into that, just, just sprinkle that on. Yeah. Um, I know also that there is, has been some discussion on your podcast, which is excellent and everyone should go look for it, it's called Page of Wind, that uh, Davey might be Quoth's first real lover that we
3: hear about
1: <laughs> yes that's come <laughs> up a couple times.
0: <laughs> Calls so him do I think, later.
3: I think this was where our fight started. At there's been
1: there's been a lot of fights around this. So my contention is that the phrase real lover is rich with imports. We know that Kvoth has had lovers, but none of them have been particularly important to him. Uh, and I think that we're supposed to think the real lover is Dena, but my contention is that they don't really have a loving relationship. They have this sort of flirtatious infatuation with one another, mm-hmm. uh, but that the characters that he's in a position to actually find meaningful romantic love with are Devi and uh, on sort of a different angle, uh, Auri. Because I, my contention is that Auri and he have an actual loving relationship that's not sexual, but it's truly caring mm-hmm. love in a way that does not exist anywhere else in his life. Um, and so the theory of Debbie being the real lover, because we know that the character names him do later, uh, that seems to me like something Debbie would do, uh, like as a joke, kind of jokingly give him a, right. a name. And uh, I, I can't take credit for this. I think I read it on, on tour or on Reddit or something, but uh, someone has suggested that do later is a contraction of the words do later uh, and quotes Loan is perpetually do later mm,
0: Oh, oh my God. When you say that, I thought you meant do later is the as in literally thing roll my eyes. doing <laughs> someone later. I mean, that too yeah, also Yeah, I also possible. think that's
2: a possible read, but I think that all of those reads are, are silly.
0: Um, he says, uh, he, yeah, what he says in, in Name of the Wind is my first real lover called me do later because she liked the sound of it.
1: Seems like a everything to me.
3: Yeah, that does sound terribly Debbie-ish. I like flip-flop on the who's his lover all the time, but I feel like it really hinges on the definition of lover, and is if it, like, technically the dictionary definition is sexual or romantic, but I really liked the read that it would be a non-sexual, non-romantic thing for Auri. But of course now the Debbie thing seems to make more sense with the actual definition of the word lover and I'm so lost and I don't yeah, know what I, to believe. I please. also
1: feel like Auri wouldn't mess around with names.
3: Oh, true, Ugh. Oh, all the arrows is uh, Debbie
0: now. What do I do? Uh, <laughs> unless she, I mean, unless that is the name she made for him. Mm-hmm. But mm. I'm wondering if that is Coat. No, I don't know. No, I think she'd probably pick a, a better name than that because she seems to think highly of of him.
1: Mm-hmm. And, and she, she calls him Quoth happily and she's, she's not the type to exert her will on the world, right? Mm-hmm. Like she was glad to get a new name because it was proper true, but she's not the type to go around naming things willy-nilly.
0: Mm- no, she rejects that.
3: I think though if Quoth came to her and was like, Auri, I need a new name, something that will like hide me from the world, what, what can you give me? She would do it.
0: I think that's true, but I think she'd, let's be honest, I think she'd pick something a little better than coat, which is just, like, two letters off from clothes. Yeah. Like, at least dye your hair, my guy.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. He goes to less trouble to disguise himself than, like, any spy character, than any Marvel character. He doesn't put on a hoodie and some, like, <laughs> aviator shades and a baseball cap. Like He sure doesn't.
1: Well, he puts the V and the T in the box, which stands for his voice and his talents. Oh, get out. Wow. (laughs)
0: Hello, R. Kingkiller Chronicle. It's nice (laughs) to see you.
2: For the record, Reddit is a cesspool.
0: It is, (laughs) but it's also fun to swim in it sometimes.
2: Mm, I think it can be a delight. I, I had to quit Reddit cold turkey for exactly that reason.
3: Yeah, I mm-hmm. was given power of name of the wind on Reddit and I still visit it less than those two.
0: <laughs> they What is power of, what What do you mean by power of name of the wind on Reddit?
3: Like, like if she, they want to post is in something on of Reddit, our Reddit, they tell presence. me and I post it. Oh, okay, okay,
2: because okay. Because we can't be trusted.
1: Yeah, we, no. we don't want to deal with karma and comments and, and what have you mm-hmm. and Reddit I... silvers and uh, moderators and whatnot.
0: I've posted a few things on there. Um, Usually they get downvoted into oblivion. Um, But one, one, one guy got decent, um, got some decent traction, but I'm not out. I'm not out here doing anything too clever. I'm just trying to, again, nine years later, not that I've been reading these for nine years, but God, it feels like it.
1: Yeah. No, the only thing that work on Reddit or shit posts are like, Discussion posts are always downvoted into oblivion, but our I would argue our memes, memes do very that's well. That's what I mean. Our, our shitpost memes are, are excellent.
0: I, I need to go look, look for y'all's memes. I do love a good meme.
1: kingkiller memes. It's the only good subreddit. Oh. Yes, it's, it's not.
0: I don't you think I have even joined that one ever. Oops.
1: I truly believe that, like,
2: Am I the Asshole and relationship posts, like, those have replaced the function that, like, Dear Abby columns used to serve for like previous generations. Mm-hmm. Because every day I read like the creme de la creme of like, am I the asshole? And I get my delicious schadenfreude of like looking into the cesspit that is another person's life.
1: Kind of, but the law of diminishing subreddits means that eventually you get the posts that aren't really like delicious uh, schadenfreude. It's instead people like stroking the ecosystem of the community and posting stuff that they know will get uh, a good response. Yeah, well, or they're just making it up. Yes,
2: exactly. I do think that am I the asshole is an interesting exception to that rule because the kind of person who posts in that is often, they are, there's like two main types of posters. There's people who absolutely aren't the asshole, but have been like gaslit into thinking that they are. Or yeah. there are people who are absolutely the asshole and are such narcissists that they have no ability to reflect on their behavior. And so they go seeking validation and get roasted by everyone being like, no, you're an absolute scum. What are you talking about?
1: I just I think imagine...
3: reflecting on behavior. I think we should reflect on the fact that you guys aren't talking
0: about the book anymore. <laughs> well, I was just, I was gonna segue back in by saying Quoth would probably post on both relationship advice and Am I the Asshole?
2: <laughs>
0: like, I I uh, I went to my moneylender's house and accused her of trying to kill me, and then you know tried to tried to stop her. But my friends thought it was you know thought it was her. Am am I really the asshole here? She kicked my butt.
1: (laughs) And she was really hurt by it. She was really hurt by it. (laughs) The girl I like told me all of her secrets while she was on drugs. Am I the asshole?
2: No.
0: (laughs) That would be in relationship (laughs) advice.
1: Yeah.
0: This girl got really high on on poison and told me my face was like a kitchen the sugar bowl was in the proper place and you know I just didn't think anything about it does that
2: mean she likes me I
1: can't tell <laughs>
0: right <laughs> <laughs> poor 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 stupid
2: teenage clothes um uh, post well on those kinds of stuff right? if the answer is always talk to the person
1: yes almost talk just clear to- and open communication would solve all of Coast's problems don't you agree Jeremy? Mm. I I have always agreed that yes, that would. I just don't think
2: that that makes for a good story.
0: I like am going to bait Jeremy into something. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Would you say you are a master baiter, Nick? <laughs> I get it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that I was am the maybe very I am the very best. I am the top. <laughs> I am the top at baiting. Yeah. I know bottom. that I just
0: just, just, oh my god. I just, uh, I know that I met y'all today, but I thought maybe it was appropriate to make that joke. It was right there.
1: <laughs> many on the table. Yeah, I
0: mean,
3: I'm just proud of myself for getting it.
0: Of I'm proud not. of you too, Jordan. Okay. I'm
3: proud of you every day, bud. <laughs> Are there
0: any now that we've uh, descended a little bit as I was expecting and hoping we would? What other what other little Davy bits and bobs are out there for us to chat about? Oh, boy. Is there anything in uh, Demon Davy that they call her? Again, uh, Jeremy, I know you're going to roll your eyes. I'm sorry, man. But we do hear from Chronicler that Cloth has to trick a demon to win his heart's desire and then has to fight an angel to keep it. So I don't know if... Uh, if that is more of a, let's say, a Chandrioid
2: no, you know um, story, or... I'm going to run with my pet theory that, uh, that I've come up with on this episode, because I now think that maybe that de- having to trick a demon and some, something, something, an angel, that might be a garbled version of the, the conflict that I was talking about before, mm-hmm. where maybe Debbie is going to try and get into the archives
1: you know, using Auri as leverage. And Auri mm-hmm. is the angel, right? Auri yeah, is exactly. often described in angelic terms. Her hair like a halo.
2: Yeah.
0: She she is, but um, and I I did a little, and this is now descending in, into Auri territory, but the way that angels are talked about in the book in in the chronicle is not like. You know the halo thing i mean these these are you know wings of stone and shadow, wings of fire and blood, things like that. I mean, it could be that you know people in Temerant, like people I think in um in the the Christian realms of the world do think of angels as these like nice beneficent beings um, with the halos, but even in the Bible, the angels are are pretty powerful. They're not necessarily, um, you know, they're not necessarily nicey-nicey.
2: And they're like terrifying too. Like people quake with terror when they actually behold an angel. And yeah. also, uh, just briefly returning to my theory that good stories make us sad. Um, what would be more tragic than, quote, killing Auri to get into the archives or to get into the four plate door, mm-hmm. whether by accident or on purpose? What what I does, think, to save Denna,
1: Arthur. like what would what would be the only thing that he would want more than keeping Auri safe would probably be saving denna's life.
0: Yeah, mm.
1: or Ooh. you know,
0: or the knowledge, you know, yeah, if true, if true. Acts or well, Falorian says Eax, Iax is behind the doors of stone, but we know Haliax, who I kind of assume is the same person. Well. No, maybe not, because Haliax is, is Lanre. So maybe Jack. is Lanray,
1: but I think that it's likely that all those stories are versions of the same story. Whenever we hear mm-hmm. one of the creation myths, it's just a different version of the same- There's only
3: one
0: story.
1: true story, yeah, exactly. And it's still happening.
2: Ooh! Ooh, ooh spooky. All of this has before, all of this will happen again.
1: Yeah, it's all a time loop. It's always a time loop.
2: Mm-hmm. Here makes we are.
1: Nick's favorite kind of crazy theory is the time loop. I was right about Game of Thrones. No, you're not. <laughs> I still could be. The books aren't out yet. I could be right about Game of Thrones. <laughs> the show is not canon. <laughs> no, the show isn't canon. I just think you're full of shit. It makes perfect sense. Bran in the in the trees, Bran went back in time and planted the story to get everyone ready for the actual long night that happens at the end of the book. There was no original Night's King. The Night's King hasn't happened yet. He's planting Nick, the plot. stories. It makes so much sense. Come RJ, on.
2: RJ, do you see what I have to put up with on like a daily basis?
0: I do. Oh, Carrie. do you see what I have to put up with? You all must <laughs> you be masochists. <laughs> I'm... I am floating a theory that I actually tweeted at Pat and surprisingly got no response that, oh, you know what? I emailed you guys this theory a while back that that Bass and Quoth might be brothers, which is like totally out of left field, but I've just been thinking about it for a while.
1: I like that theory. We haven't reached it yet in our show, but what, what we talked about was I was thinking that um, rather than being brothers, it's more likely that they're, like, cousins. Because if Cloth mm-hmm. has, uh, has Fae blooded through his father, right? Mm. So maybe a generation yeah, or two yeah, back yeah. on his father, and then uh, that might be the line that Bas comes from on that side. So maybe Rushi yeah. means, like, uncle or something like that.
0: It it could. Um, it, yeah, I just think, you know, because we have no idea what's behind the lackless door. We can assume maybe it's a door into the Fae. So if... Uh, lorian slash natalia was um you know betrothed let's say to some fey king or something like like that i mean it's it's very possible that both has fey ancestry and i also got into there i'm just gonna plug my own theory on this podcast that we assume it's bastus son of remen prince of twilight and the tell with Mael. we assume that bast is i guess prince of twilight and and the tell male, which King, what if, what if those are Remens titles and not Bast? So Bast is like a, a Duke or something like his father, isn't a king. He's a prince. So it's Bast's granddaddy who would be the king. And I, again, I don't really know what all this is, is, is going to mean, but once more, nine years since that second book, I'm, I'm really just trying to get some leverage. Here oh, on yeah, now, there's
1: been a lot of time to crank up the crackpot engines.
0: I had a crackpot engine going for a little while that that coat doesn't mean disaster. It means expects because we hear Chan Van Eden coat. Um,
1: but we also get Kissed crate and coat from. Yeah. Kilden.
0: Yeah. That's, that's what um, poked a hole in that theory for me, but it would be interesting if, you know, if coat doesn't mean disaster, it means expect like that he is waiting for something because we all know.
1: He's waiting to die. He's waiting
3: to die. So. Well, that's if, sort of an expected disaster in a way.
1: That's, ooh, that's true. Jordana always building bridges and fences.
3: <laughs> sort of the opposite, but sure, yeah.
1: <laughs> a fence Water is just a bridge head. on its side.
0: Fine. Oh, okay. Good. I, I didn't know we had an architect with us.
2: <laughs> an architect, a philosopher king
0: and
1: and jeremy and
0: and, and
1: (laughs) just a just a a
0: regular guy just a man well have we exhausted all of our davy discussion points i think
2: we have i think we have have ladled the last spoonful of delicious davy soup out of this pot
3: the rest Mm -hmm. of it fell out Mm -hmm. the crack
0: yeah it's now seeping onto the floor of your manor
1: that's right Well,
3: we'll have the interns take care of it
0: Of course, of course you will.
1: I wanted to do one more uh, Christopher Lee bit before we signed off.
0: Please, oh my God, please do Do it. Do you
1: know how the podcast first came into being? (laughs) They were once friends taken by the dark powers, bantering and theorizing a ruined and terrible form of life. (laughs) Okay, that's it.
2: Now (laughs) That's beautiful.
1: (laughs) Whom do you serve? (laughs)
2: the podcast
0: (laughs) (laughs) well dear listeners thank you for hanging in with us and i just want to say as we sign off on another edition of entirely the right sort of page of the wind may all your stories be glad ones and your roads be smooth and short guys you want to take us out
1: yep we'll see you next time on entirely the right right. of
0: podcast
2: Oh, we almost had it. We almost had it. We'll we fix always it almost in, had we'll it. fixed it in post.
0: It was beautiful. <laughs> no, we're done. We're up.